1: from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Outkick
2: 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Hutton with you. P.K. will rejoin soon, and Chad's back with us on Monday. We head back down to Atlanta. SEC Media Days wrapping up today. Texas A&M among the teams there, and when Texas AM and is on the floor. Tex needs to be on the show. Billy Lucci joins us, owner of TexAgs.com. Billy, good to see you, man. Um, I was jealous of the Wrigley Field setup after your last visit.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was crazier than this one, right? It was. Yeah. Jimbo versus Jimbo versus Saban. Uh, you knew it was going to be tampered down this time around. A lot of time in between that, and uh, obviously. Plenty of conversations probably had behind the scenes, but then with those two and the commissioner, probably according to Sankey, I asked him yesterday, he said, not only that, but between every, he and, and the entire uh, league coaches, coaching wise. So you weren't expecting any fireworks this time around, but yeah, that was, that was a hectic few days. I think I, I was in the Uber on the way to the yeah. for that game.
2: Yeah. Do, to your knowledge, has, have Jimbo and, and Saban talked privately uh, about anything we we know the, the last time i heard publicly from him said he didn't answer saban's call would yeah. he now
0: I, first of all I, to my knowledge there has not been okay. any communication i don't know that there have you know but i have not heard of any um would he answer his call now knowing jimbo i i, I think so if if Nick Saban called him, but I don't think Jimbo's reaching out to him. No, uh, yeah, you know, to answer I, I the flip side of that, and, I, I'm and with be, you on
2: that. I, I just listening to to Saban's presser, and he had first word, and I knew Jimbo was going to respond to whatever Saban said this week. Saban, I, I thought was um, he, he's doubling down on the praise for Jimbo Fisher again, almost mm-hmm. like an olive branch of sorts publicly. Maybe I'm reading way too much into that, but I thought at the time I'm like. Someone should ask him if they've talked yet, because the last time he was asked, he said he put a call into him.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised no one asked that. And I've I've actually missed most of Jimbo's just running around doing this. So I'll have to go back and watch that. But look, it friends fight, uh co-workers fight, former employees fight, you know, obviously, you know, people in relationships fight, and and usually there is some mending of the fence. And sometimes it's never, I think this is one of those instances where it, it'll never be what it was, but I don't think that happened that day. I think there was some deterioration over time in that deal just from the just from competing the way they do and and, and competing on the recruiting trail. And you know, it's like some sometimes that kind of stuff will will wear yeah as you know in in sports but really in any profession but especially in sports like I had someone tell me that the other day like being like a college football or basketball or baseball being these coaches that is the most intense high pressure working environment imaginable and a lot of people would say well there's obviously this is not life and death stuff we're talking about but it is you 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 can be fired so quickly off a bad decision or a bad week or a, a bad play call or yeah. hiring the wrong guy one wrong guy out of your ten you know there's so many things and so it's uh it's intense and I think it it relationships are hard to sustain at a certain level for a certain amount of time and I think this is one that I don't imagine we'll get back to what it was but I also think. They're not going to be in this uh, extended cold war of never speaking to each other. That's my opinion.
2: Billy Lucci, our guest, TexAggs.com, the site. Uh, Nia Smith, arrested on DWI and gun possession. The, the timing is never great with things yeah, like yeah. this, but the, the timing could not be worse for AM because he's supposed to be there today at Media exactly. Days. He's a captain, he's a legitimate leader on that roster, a proven receiver. Uh, and I would say a group that lacks many guys described as proven. True. Um, so you know he's likely going to be suspended for how much? For how long? No idea. But but from a football perspective, Billy, what what does this mean for the A and M offense?
0: I think it just like you just said, it depends entirely on what suspension we're talking about now. Normally, I would see, you you got to be careful now in, in today's day and age where. The disciplinary action, and I don't know if it's at every university, but I know at Texas AM, it is like Jimbo Fisher. When, when there's an arrest that involves UPD, Jimbo Fisher does not get to determine the punishment. It kicks it over to the university level. And I, I, I that must have something to uh, imagine to do with Title Nine. Um, So sometimes the decisions are are, kind of don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. I remember Johnny Manziel was almost suspended for his entire Heisman season because of his preseason arrest. And it's kind of like if you're a student, if you or I were there and we're suspended from all extracurricular activities, right? Well, extracurricular activities for you and I might mean intramural basketball (laughs) or football or something. It might mean some kind of university club you're involved in or whatever for these guys it's their life and, and there's millions and millions of dollars hinging on it not only for them but for the for the school and the athlete yeah, a heisman it was a heisman yeah, for a, heisman trophy yeah. so sometimes common sense doesn't always prevail on that front but what i will say is the more i've learned about this arrest i'm trying to figure out why he was arrested with the blood alcohol content that it's it's being reported is much lower than the legal limit, which that's what made the gun illegal, was was the fact that he was deemed intox- intoxicated. So I'll be interested in the coming days to see if this, uh, if this even holds up or if it's something that's dropped entirely.
2: Going into camp, how tight is the quarterback battle between Haynes King or Max Johnson? And uh, maybe a bad way to ask this, but who do the Aggies need to win that job? I, I would say they need someone to be the number one guy, don't they? Who do they want to be the number one guy?
0: I, I think they want the guy who who performs the best in camp and who they think they can win. I think you, Jimbo's having to look at this team right now and say, what do we have and what do these two guys do? Because they're not the same guy. Um, Max, Exa- can, exactly. exactly. Max can really sling it. And Max can run a lot better than you think, and that's the first thing about him that kind of surprised everyone when he got here. Was what a terrific athlete he is, and the speed. But he doesn't run a four-four-five like Haynes, and Haynes is having to, you know, improve and improve gradually as as a passer. He's not a bad passer at all, but Max kind of has that. He has that whip. He has that 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 left arm where he can he can flat out sling it. So they're they're not the same, and it, so it's interesting. But I think they're fine either way, because with Max, you have so much experience. I mean, I don't know. He's one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the SEC, but he's actually might he might be like number one or two in terms of total SEC starts, because remember, he had a few of them uh, the year before or total starts, whatever you want to call it. But then Haynes King is in three years in the system. I think one thing to remember is Haynes won the job for Jimbo Fisher once already. And I think that's a big deal. I think that, and that that speed that we talked about the ability to extend plays and the ability to kind of set something up with, you know, like to me, guys like Haynes King, Devon, a chain, Aniah Smith. uh, And remember the name Evan Stewart, because he's going to be big time in from day one, uh, that type of, of explosive skill talent and also jake johnson max's brother the true freshman tight end those are guys that even the elite sec defenders are going to have a hard time keeping up with hence aniasis four touchdowns in two years against bama a chains hundred yard kick return you start adding all those pieces together and you start to see okay maybe this can be the first offense that fisher's had at a&m that will truly be deemed explosive and if they can do that then this team goes to the next level. I keep getting asked who's the third best team in the SEC or who's your pick to finish third. And I keep going with AM, not because I cover them. I know that's that what we're joking about everywhere I talk, but I just think of all the glutted teams that are going to be pretty similar and comparable, I think AM's ceiling is higher than the other ones. And that's that's the one and only reason why I would, why I would pick AM in that role.
2: I, I don't disagree um that if if someone were arguing am I would say look at uh, there's a lot of talk about the quarterback spot I love the running back spot there a chain Billy he wasn't the featured back last season I watch him and I think man this guy he can take his game to a whole different level at least based on my unexperienced eye yeah uh it, is this his backfield now that Spiller is in the league?
0: Yeah, there's some real talent. There's a five-star, they're kind of redshirted, and LJ Johnson, Amari Daniels is really impressed from Florida. They've got a guy they flipped from Alabama in this recruiting class, Le'Veon Moss. Um, and Ernest Crownover is a veteran that'll have a role. Big guy, block, also get some tough between the tackles, carries, but it's his backfield. It is. And and there were some games last year down the stretch. If you remember Ole Miss and you remember LSU, where his the way he changed the game, running the football, brought some real life to that offense and really played a big role in AM coming back, almost taking the lead in Oxford. I think it was from fifteen zero to 15-13 and actually taking the lead in Baton Rouge. And then he didn't get the get the carries there at the end, so uh, that, that 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 was a head scratcher. This year, I don't think a lack of carries is going to be an issue. This dude, to me, should be considered a dark horse Heisman candidate because I think the Aggie O line is going to be really good. And you know Jimbo Fisher will run the football,
2: no doubt. I I think he is really good. Um, and if he gets the bulk of the carries, he's got the outside shot that you're you're, you're speaking of. Going back to third overall, um, in the SEC, there is a stretch on the schedule, um, where it I, it determines whether or not A meets expectations. It starts yep. with the Miami game, which is what week three. Yep. Then they have Mississippi State and Arkansas, and I may have the may have it flip flop. Flip-flop, it's Arkansas, yeah. Mississippi State. Then Alabama. Mm-hmm. And if A&M, if they're good, we're going to know it before they get to turn two of the schedule on yeah. the college football playoff path.
0: I think Texas A&M could be a top five team in the second half of the season with that recruiting class, that inexperience at QB we talked about. But to get there, they've got to be really good early. Maybe not a top five team. They got to be like a legit top 10 squad to get there late. I, I look at I'm I'm sitting here with y'all's next guest, who's pretty big time player in, in <laughs> Knoxville, and and I look at what they did last year and how well they were playing in the second half of the season. I think that could be where NM goes, but they've got so much experience early that they they there's no reason for them not to be strong in the early going. I don't think I think they're one of those teams though that will do this as the year goes on. You got to find a way. You mentioned two teams that beat AM last year in Arkansas and uh, Mississippi State. Miami, they got a great quarterback in Van Dyke, all those new players in the portal. But look, you're in a spot now with the talent on campus, one of those games at home, one neutral, two revenge games. The Aggies need to find a way to go win those three football games. You've got such an opportunity to set something up with Bama. That's what so many people here were talking about this week was that A&M Alabama game. To me, it's up to the Aggies, you know, to make it mean something and, and to make it be one of the biggest games in college football this year. And and it's not an easy task to get there. But, again, they, they've got the talent and experience to do it. So, tough challenge. But I don't think anyone that's come through here, you can't take a three-, four-game stretch of that schedule and say this is going to define it. I think you nailed it. And if they can go three-and-one in those four, no matter how it goes, yeah. I think you're talking about a playoff contender.
2: Hey, final 30 seconds. Yep. How how cool is it for a and I know they hate Texas, but to actually have a true rival coming into the SEC?
0: I love it. I think Aggies love it. And I think they just needed to get over what happened a year ago where they were ca- caught completely off guard by no longer being the, the lone Texas team in the SEC, and that's what they thought. But you have to think about the expansion and where it was heading. And, and you know, does what I'd heard is, you know, what if Oklahoma and Texas – not went to the ACC, not went to the Big Ten, but broke out on their own and then added UCLA and USC and then went and got Notre Dame. Then where does that thing go? Then do they start picking off teams from the SEC, ACC, Big Ten? There was a problem brewing, and and Greg Sankey and the league did get in front of it, and they did what they needed to do. It was just the manner with which they caught everybody off guard, and and, and certainly a lot of feelings have had to be worked over on both sides over the last year but man the Aggies have a rival in the SEC now it wasn't LSU the Bama thing's fun it's not Alabama feel like everybody in this league has a real rival maybe LSU doesn't ironically enough theirs have come when they're just really good alongside somebody else Florida Alabama (laughs) but the Aggies have this incredible rivalry and the day Texas comes into the league it's a top three or four rivalry in the SEC. You got the Iron Bowl, you got AM Texas, you got the Red River game, and then you've got uh, obviously Florida Georgia. So immediately b- goes way up there in terms of rivalries in this conference. So I think it's great f- for AM. I just didn't think they had any reason to play them before Texas was in this conference because you did not want, there's no reason to lend them a life raft uh, in that spiraling league.
2: Billy Lucci is with TexAgs.com. He's the founder, the owner. TexAggs.com, fantastic coverage from SEC Media Days. Billy's always a great guest. Billy, thank you, man. Thank you for making the time.
0: Yeah, we'll let you get Hendon Hooker in here. You probably (laughs) have a lot more interesting (laughs) things to say than I do. Appreciate Appreciate you. Appreciate it, brother.
2: All right. Billy Lucci has been our guest, and he mentioned it. Hendon Hooker on deck coming up on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick three hundred and sixty continues. Our next guest down in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. Uh, let's see, he was on Times Square. Now he's in Atlanta. Soon he will kick off the season against Ball State at Neyland Stadium. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker joins us on Outkick three hundred and sixty. Hendon, great to have you on, man.
4: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
2: We had uh, we were talking with Cedric earlier. The Times Square thing with Spire was awesome, um, mm-hmm. and he said it was a big surprise to you guys.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was a once in a lifetime type of thing. Um, You know, just to be plastered, have your face plastered on the on the side of a building in Times Square was uh, extremely special. Um, That was my second time in New York. Um, So just being able to experience some different things. Uh, The first time I went, I was playing AAU basketball, and I was 16. So, um, you know, just just being out there and being able to know like what's going on in the now. um, And and just learning and networking, uh, it was a blessing.
2: Hendon Hooker, our guest. You're, you're, I, I would say a, a bit of a redemption story. 2020 and the the COVID year, Virginia Tech that didn't seem like a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. You you opened last season as the backup. What what allowed you to to stay the course and and mm-hmm. be ready when you had this opportunity?
4: Yeah, really. Um, you know, faith in the Lord. Um, you know, first thing. Um, then just kind of keeping my confidence in my abilities. Uh, I would go back and, and watch old film. Um, of me, you know, looking good on the field and looking bad as well, um, you know, just kind of reminding myself, you know, you, you still, you still can ball, you still can ball. And then, uh, you know, being a great teammate uh, when Joe, when Joe was uh, in there, um, you know, anytime another quarterback is in there, I just want to do the best I can do um, and motivate them to, um, you know, go out there and play freely and and, and have fun while doing it as well. So, um, you know, just feeding off everybody's energy in the quarterback room and having their support, uh, is great, and and now me and Joe, um, like two peas in a pod. You know, we do everything together. I remember he picked me up last night um, from the from the airport uh, coming in from New York, and uh, we went over to the facility, uh, threw a couple balls, went and got dinner, and I just kind of hung out.
2: Hendon Hooker, with us, your your first career start in the SEC came at Florida. Mm-hmm. It was a disappointing night. Uh, the mm-hmm. offense closed, but but missed on a, a a few plays in that game. Very next week, though, at Missouri was really the turning point for the season, and the offense just exploded with a, a record-breaking uh, output. What do you What do you remember about that week in between those two games? Is mm-hmm. there anything distinct that you can point to that where, where things really opened up?
4: Um, I remember kind of the latter part of the third quarter. Um, they thought I got a concussion. I was a little woozy, but I, I didn't have a concussion. Um, I went, went in the back, and um, I'm talking to the doctors. I'm like, come on, guys. Y'all got to hurry up. Y'all got to hurry up. I got to get back out there. And um they were like, Oh, calm down, calm down. And um, I didn't make it back out. So I remember just sitting in the in the tunnel, um, you know, a couple of tears uh dropped down just because I couldn't be out there, you know, with my teammates. Um, and I remember them coming back in the in the tunnel back to the locker room. And I remember looking in everybody's eyes and telling them, we're gonna be good, we're gonna be good. And, th- and they were like, We're ready to we're ready to rock and roll And So um, you know, that that next week in practice, I remember everybody just kind of changing their attitude and and locking back in um throwing the old throwing the old um the old uh games, you know, out the window and, and kind of persevering forward. So, you know, that next week we came out on a mission and uh, ever since then we've been on that same mission.
2: Even back in high school, have you played in a, a hurry up offense that was as fast-paced as Hypel's normal offense?
4: Um in high school, when we used to have uh, kind of like hurry up offense, I called every play. So, um You know, as fast as I can get the play out, that's as fast as we're going. Um, And I remember in high school, I would just look at the coverage and then just kind of pick something. Um, So now just being strategic with it, um, it's something special. And when we get rolling, it's a beautiful thing to see.
2: Come back for your senior season. Um, A lot of enthusiasm around that program from the fan base. That has to be energizing. Mm -hmm. Do you you think about legacies and the, the potential that you have as a quarterback this year in Knoxville?
4: Um, you know, we talking about legacy, um, it's been a long line of quarterbacks that have paved the way uh for me. Um, you know, coming from Tennessee. And um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um, the trilogy of quarterbacks that we have is 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 ridiculous. Um, so you know, whenever I can reach out or, you know, they reach out to me, um, I'm always um ecstatic to um to you know communicate with them. Uh, you know, how can I how can I get better? How can I be a better leader? Um, I remember asking Peyton that. Uh, Peyton and Eli that um at the Manning Academy. And then um seeing Josh Dobbs last weekend in Nashville um while we were on our quarterback receiver retreat and he was there for a wedding, um, you know, I, I asked him like, you know, what can I do to, you know, motivate my guys to really buy into the process. Um so anytime I get a chance to really pick their brains, um, it's a blessing. Um and and then just me, all I want to do is win ball games and, and see people around me succeed. Um so you know, all the all the rest of the stats and and accolades can come later on.
2: I was talking with another player who said that you are the best leader he's ever been around mm-hmm. uh, from any level that he's played in football. How how would you describe your leadership style?
4: Mm-hmm. I would describe my leadership style as uh, unique, just because um, through the experiences that I have that I have gone through, um, you know, you have to approach people differently. Different people um, react differently to. How you approach them? So, um, you know, when I first got to Tennessee, what I wanted to do was show them that I could play ball first, and kind of fill out, um, you know, where people, where people are from, you know, just kind of getting background checks and, um, you know, trying to un- trying to understand where they're coming from, so I can know how to communicate with them uh, when the time comes. And and I remember like the first practice, I I went out there, I made a couple moves, and guys like, oh, I didn't know you, I didn't know you were like that here. And then I was like, oh, I mean. I do a little something. so uh, you know, moving moving forward to getting to fall camp, um, you know, I could actually be a little bit more vocal because they they actually know the the my personality and I know their personality and I know how to, um, you know, communicate with them.
2: Well, and also, I mean, it, it, different levels and and different situations and vibes because you're transferring in, mm-hmm. you know, that's a little yeah. awkward. Uh, yeah. Then you're you're starting the season backing up Joe Milton. Mm-hmm. And then you're inserted in, and now you have the full voice this offseason. You mm-hmm. you mentioned the uh the the receiver retreat that took place here in Nashville and, and all the the offseason things for continuity. Did you consider how much did you consider the NFL draft?
4: Um, you know, that's that's a that's a um you know lifelong dream and a childhood dream uh and goal that I have set for myself. So um one thing that I had to realize was that everyone takes a different path. Um, I, I felt like me, my family and, um, you know, consulting my coaches, um, you know, felt like it would be in my best interest to come back. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a great decision. Um, you know, my, all my faith is, is in the Lord and he's going to guide me uh, to where I want to go and where he wants me to go.
2: If, uh, if, if you had to answer what, what improvement you've, you've tried to hone in on and dial in on this Mm -hmm. off season, what takes you to the next level of play? Mm-hmm. within what you're capable of
4: yeah being relaxed being relaxed letting the game come to me not trying to rush um oftentimes I would catch myself last year trying to rush or trying to do too much um so to speak so um you know just just relying on my on my fundamentals and relying on my teammates you know to do their job and not try to do too much do my job and make sure that I'm getting the ball to my playmakers um in positions so they can make plays uh that's that's what I want to do and um, you know, this this whole offseason I've been I've been trying to learn the ins and outs of uh what I was doing wrong. So dissecting every interception, dissecting every pass from the left side, every pass to the right side, every intermediate pass, every zone read, every rollout, you know, really dissecting everything down to the simplest form and um and trying to capitalize on um you know the time that I have to uh dedicate to the game. Anytime that I'm not, you know, um know, practicing my faith or um with my family, I'm devoting that time to the game. Um now mind you, we all have to have some some away time. So, you know, that I never go more than three, four days um, you know, away from the facility. So um anytime I ever I ever have to um devote my time to the game, I do it.
2: Hendon Hooker, our guest on Outkick three sixty. Yes, um how how cool was the Manning Passing Academy?
4: Yeah, it was it was extremely cool. Um, you know, cool to be around uh, some of the most elite uh, quarterbacks uh, in the nation, and uh, you know, kind of pick their brain, see what they're thinking. You know, I remember sitting down at the table. It was me, Anthony Richardson, Cam Rising at Utah, uh, Mike Wright, and um, you know, we we were kind of talking about uh, what we would do in a in a third third and nine or a third and twenty on the on the twenty going in. Uh, you know, just a lot of cool football talk and uh, and fellowship and then as well as trying to um you know uh lead the lead the kids in the right direction as well it was cool to really teach those teach those kids um you know defensive defensive schemes uh i remember we had um uh, in my on my team my seven on seven team that i was in, in charge of we had all quarterbacks and two receivers and i remember some of the kids saying oh i've never played any other position before and i'm like you're gonna have to learn today man we got to win ball games so uh, i need <laughs> you at free safety today and uh, you know, be ready to take your reps at quarterback. So um, you know, it was just it was just a um a blast, you know, being out there fellowshipping with the kids and other great quarterbacks as well.
2: Did you have Arch on your team by chance?
4: I didn't, you know, he's driving around on a golf course, he's, he's relaxing, <laughs> he's big time.
2: <laughs> that was a big week for him. I mean, they announced it the first day mm-hmm. of camp, I believe, yeah. that he's going yeah. to Texas.
4: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh hats off to Arch, man. He, he does his thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. So do you, man. This is um it's going to be a fun year. Um mm-hmm. I don't do you feel pressure with with any of this and and if not how do you not feel pressure going into the season?
4: Yeah, I don't I don't feel pressure. I kind of really block out the outside noise. Um you know, naysayers is is, is they're going to be naysayers regardless of what you do whether you're, you're doing good or bad. So um uh also, you know, you're going to have people that are giving you compliments. So, you know, just trying to stay yeah. even keel and um you know, keeping the main goal, the main goal is what I try to do.
2: And uh, the the goal is to go as fast as the defense will allow you if they don't drop on the ground and oh, yeah. act I like mean, they're hey, they're injured, man.
4: Hey, I understand, yeah. man. If I was out there trying to guard us, I'd go down too. Do you do you
2: guys say anything to those guys when they come back on the field like two I just, plays later?
4: No, I just kind of laugh. I say, ah, come on, man, and, you know, <laughs> just kind of jokingly. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's all it's always fun. Just go out there and compete at a high level.
2: Hendon Hooker has been our guest, uh, a great visit with you, man. Hopefully this is the first of a, a couple during the year potentially, and uh, keep up the great work. Excited yes, for the sir. season.
4: Yes, sir. Me too. Thank you for having me.
2: Absolutely. There's Hendon Hooker quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers as our coverage continues in Atlanta on Outkick 360. Of course, the, the interviews took place earlier today, because if you're a Vols fan or a fan of any SEC team, you know that the SEC media days are complete. Uh, They're packing up. Uh, Tennessee may be back in Knoxville now, uh, for all we know. Uh, but still to come are, are some great chats with Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel, wide receiver Cedric Tillman, and safety uh, Trey Flowers will also be on the show later today. Hendon Hooker, a very impressive quarterback for the Vols.
1: Hard not to like him. Hard not to root for him if you, if you don't have a, another allegiance uh, or a reason to root against Tennessee. I thought it was interesting where he talked about his unique leadership style. He wanted to play ball first, but then he did kind of background checks, he said, yeah. jokingly, on, on everybody to learn how to communicate with uh, with each guy and know how, how to get through to, to people. Good leadership style and indications for him there.
2: So I, I didn't hit on it here, and I'm thinking of it, listening back to it. Um, the, the thing that interests me the most is he did not, transfer to Tennessee knowing that Josh Heupel was the head coach. right, And that that intrigues me because if not for Josh Heupel, he doesn't have the opportunity and the hype behind what he was able to turn last year into, and now he's at the reins of the fastest offense in college football. And, I mean, let's face it, if they reach expectation or surpass it, which I think expectation for most fans is like nine games, nine wins, if they get to 10 for the first time since 2007 and they're the team that's playing in the Sugar Bowl, for instance, that guy, I mean, not only is he in the conversation, I would presume, for a Heisman, because if you're playing at that level, Matt Corral was, uh, you're, we're talking about a first-round pick. Yep. And we wouldn't have seen that from the transfer from Virginia Tech a couple of years ago. Well, it's ago. really
1: good fortune for him because you asked him about uh, having played in high-pace offense like that, and he talked about high school doing yeah. it. Um, So he had it in him um, and, you know, it just so happened that Heupel runs that kind of offense and they wound up together. It's a nice coincidence. Uh, You know, it would have been smart for somebody who inherited Tennessee to have gone high speed offense for him. um, If if they came in and were flexible uh, offensive mind.
2: I think this is a good tie in with your recent column at outkick.com because uh, the transfer portal is crazy. Um, the SEC. I mean, you can go team by team, and you can see where uh, Kiffin's a good example. We, we see transfers uh, at Tennessee, uh, Texas a and List goes on and on. Alabama's got them. Georgia has them. The, the supplemental pieces that you can now go get in the portal without having to sit out is you can really transform a roster fast. But I think the key is with Tennessee, Heupel's able to churn it and turn it because he got the quarterback. Yeah, and at first he didn't have it. He had Milton, who was overthrowing everyone. He still he he was calling plays that allowed other guys to get wide open. They just weren't making those big plays. Insert Hendon Hooker, and now they're, I mean they're, up and running at a, a a pace that was even faster than with Milton. Point being, they got that they got that position right. It happened through the portal, and part of it is just. Sh- Sheer luck because, again, Heupel didn't recruit him there.
1: I like the transfer portal concept. Um, you know, I like it for kids, for freedom, to be able to move as easily as a coach moves. I like it to supplement a roster. I like it to replace a guy who blows out a, a knee or suffers a career-ending injury or is never going to be the same. I like it to replace a guy who leaves. Mm-hmm. But I don't like it the way Ole Miss is using it where – It's almost instead of recruiting, um, they brought in, I think, 16 guys. They're ranked second behind in 24-7's rankings behind USC. I like it for USC because if you're a new coach like Lincoln Riley and a lot of the other teams that are ranked highly are also new coaches. Well, if you're a new coach coming in now, you don't have to wait, you know, two or three years to get your guys in. You can go get some people you recruited before. I don't want you to have to, to be able to empty out your own old university. I don't, I don't like yeah. that element of it, but I like that Lincoln Riley is going to have a Lincoln Riley team at USC in relatively short order. But I wonder, and, and you've heard me ask some questions about it this week, which I double dipped into the, into the column with this concept of, uh, you know, college football is not my favorite sport, but one of the things that's distinctly college football is that, you kind of have to build two, three, ideally four classes together to to form a good football team. Ah, oh, this is the year where our classes finally meld together. Chad has talked about this. He gets a flip card or a roster at a, at a game, maybe with one team he's not that familiar with. And, you know, traditionally you would look for the seniors. He doesn't look at that anymore because that doesn't mean as much anymore. And I wonder about a school like Ole Miss now, um, we talked to Cedric Johnson about this. Uh, how do you form that chemistry? You know, he said they go bowling and they go out to eat and, and their team is really intent on creating a brotherhood. And that's great. But you have 25 practices going into that season. Trey Wallace was talking about you want early enrollees and you get two and a half months. That's great. But that's not the same as practicing together for two or three years and playing together for two or three years and going through the, the football <laughs> It's not the same as going through the football, so I'm not saying it's going to blow up a team or you can't be good or anything, but it's not the same as a senior well, class having been through three years of it together. So I'm curious to see how those teams yeah, do I mean, because it's a different challenge. Maybe you don't have to develop the guy as much, but you got to work harder to fit him in and to get him. Well, to know I don't those know. Guys. I mean,
2: if you if I or think, is it
1: an all star team?
2: Well, yeah, exactly. And not,
1: not all those guys are great.
2: No, but they're developed. Let's go back to the other point. Developed. Like the freshmen that are coming in are five stars, but they're not – They're raw. Their bodies aren't mature enough to where they're going to be two years from now, especially up front on the offensive and defensive lines.
1: Yeah, you're getting a junior from another SEC program. You don't have to worry about yeah, that and piece I, of I it. think
2: that in the trenches, that is where the transfer portal is so beneficial to these teams. Because, for instance, Alabama is in the portal. They just took a starter off of Vanderbilt's roster – and this guy's going to go start at Bama now. So it, th- there's a player that has, had bought into the Commodore system that had um, developed to a point where he was now at Alabama's level. And now he's playing for the Crimson Tide for a chance to play for a national title. Not a freshman. Good for the freshman, but Glad I'm saying the him. freshman going to Bama has got to wait. And the, the transfer portal, if you need a starter, you don't have to rely on the guy that you're waiting on to develop you have a plug-and-play player, and that's where uh, you can also do it at wide receiver, um, and we're certainly seeing that. Quarterback is – that's where it's tricky because we have seen a ton of movement at quarterback, Paul, especially in the SEC. I mean, Spencer we, talked, Rattler we spoke, Spencer Rattler coming in. Spencer Rattler. Max Johnson's now – we just talked with Billy Lucci. He's now at Texas A&M battling Haynes King. Um, uh, TJ Finley is battling against a transfer and Zach Calzada that's now at Auburn. And uh, you mentioned Ole Miss. I mean, Hendon Hooker's a transfer. Um, it's, it's also enhanced the quarterback spot, though. You know, like the, the rookie in the NFL takes a Like year two, year three is when you start to really put expectations on guys. Um, and, and you could say chemistry matters in high school because they're playing together. I would, I would point to IMG Academy and just say those dudes are playing with each other for about six months. And they go and, you know, they stay unbeaten. And they're the cream of the crop, all stars. Yeah. Team chemistry doesn't mean everything when you have. And we're we're, we're not everything, but we're, I mean we're something. looking specifically at the SEC though. Yeah, and
1: that
2: the, the it, other if we're seeing it at a the 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 group of five, so the Power Five, I'm I'm buying in a lot more to the team chemistry aspect.
1: The other question I have, and I mentioned it in the column, is uh, you know 24 seven is the best place I found to kind of evaluate the transfer stuff. And it's got, you know, uh, it's got a rating, you know, how many are coming in, how many are, you know, it's not a lot of five-star movement, but four-star movement and stuff. And I'm sure there's a, there's a, an equation that it goes Mm. in, but when you click on a school and look at everything it lists, it doesn't list who's gone. It doesn't list transfers out. (laughs) I want to see, you know, okay, you're bringing in 16, how many left? Uh, it's kind of all the good and none of the bad there. Uh, I, I'd like a more thorough equation there.
2: Well, they're not—they're not grading. 24 7s recruiting grade is not grading the seniors that leave as you go get freshmen in your next crop. Yeah, well, not uh,
1: yeah, but not just the seniors who are And I'm talking about. I know you're but, talking yeah, transfers, but yeah, their her,
2: their formula is not it's all based about on income. leaving. Yeah. That's what did you do in the recruitment process? Recruiting has nothing to do. Right, but with but the
1: portal adds a different thing. Well, right? Who, it opens who's lending? Because if if you if you're yeah. Vanderbilt and you lost that tackle to Bama, well, that's what's sending you to the portal. Sure. So, so there's offsetting things there. So if Ole Miss is getting 16 guys, I want to know well, how many of the 16 are are building your roster and how many of the 16 are replenishing your roster? To me, there's a big difference there. You right? It's it's not all the same. It's two categories, not one. If,
2: if it's affecting your team chemistry, absolutely. Um, very rarely does. Are, are you looking to the transfer portal f- to find your your true leadership, team captain quality guys? It happens. But if it you're happens. if
1: you're recruiting sixteen guys and you're expecting most of those sixteen guys to start, it's got to be a big piece of your but
2: chemistry. It, yeah, but in, in today's age, I mean, the transfers are becoming the team stars. I mean, Hendon Hinden- yeah, Hooker doesn't become that guy right. at Virginia Tech. Joe Burrow doesn't become Joey Burrow at, at uh, Ohio State. And those
1: are number one chemistry guys.
2: And th- those are the program guys, yeah. right? So yeah, that, that thing is – your point is interesting because I think it depends on position. And at quarterback, it's a huge you, – you, you want to develop the quarterback you're recruiting. But at the same time, if you hit on the guy that's being used the wrong way – or has been overlooked, then can you use and Hooker for two years before you go and get the five-star out in California? Yeah.
1: And we've discussed Clark Lee. I mean, you can only take what he's saying so seriously, but he wants it to be a market efficiency for him that they'll use the portal a little bit, but they want to recruit and develop their guys over the long term. And I imagine there are other better programs that are thinking that way too. Hey, our objective is to get guys win guys over, keep them, develop them in our precise way for three years or ideally four years, and, and not be involved in that. You go ahead and do that. Hopefully you're not taking our guys. Our guys will stay, right. and we will be the old school program that has a steady flow of replacements and building and a junior-senior-laden starting lineup.
2: And you know the, the benefit of the, the high school route for Clark Lee, I'm imagining the academic portion of things and qualifying comes a bit easier than trying to get a guy academically eligible through the transfer portal that's looking to jump immediately and, and immediately join you in, in spring practice. Don't know, or immediately enroll right after the fall semester, straight yeah. into spring. Um,
1: more is better, but it's not all the way more.
2: Sure. Hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts on, on Paul's call and the interviews there. Outkick 360 is where you can find us. Coming up in 15 minutes, uh, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel will join us. Also in our number three, Cedric Tillman and Trey Flowers from the Tennessee roster. A lot more coming right here across the Outkick Network. Our thanks to Trey Wallace, Glenn Gilbo, Davey Hudson, and our entire OutKick crew working behind the scenes here and across the way in downtown Nashville and up in New York and beyond uh, for for making our uh, coverage a, a huge success with SEC Media Days. Being in two places at once is not easy. Uh, made it happen because of all the hard work and effort behind the scenes. So thank, uh, thank you to all the the guys there on behalf of me, Paul and, and Chad Withro's back with us uh, on Monday. Some some headlines coming up, and in eight minutes, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel joins Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty. Um, Jason McCourty announced his retirement after thirteen years in the NFL. Uh, played for three teams, the Titans. Four. Oh, four teams, excuse me, yes. Um, Titans, Titan- Browns, Pats. Browns. Browns. Dolphins. <laughs> I was like, Dolphins, Pats, and who am I living now? You're right, Cleveland. Uh, and uh, now he's on uh, Team NFL Network. He's headed to Good Morning Football as uh, a, a part of the replacement uh, for Nate Burleson. Yep. So uh, props to, to J mac He will join our show tomorrow. Looking forward to, to talking with uh, Jason McCordy, one of my favorite pro athletes that I've had to interaction with dealt with covered Uh, just a a very genuine humble person as a former sixth round pick that went on to win a Super Bowl and um, now he's headed to NFL Network that's very good
1: top flight guy endured uh, as Chad and I were talking about last week when the retirement announcement came out Endured some very uh, meager years here in Tennessee. Topped out at nine and seven. Endured the two win season, the three win season. Did not uh, was part of some very uh, meager teams, to say the Uh, least. Awful,
2: awful teams. Um, And never,
1: never in the playoffs here. Uh, Then endured a Cleveland season before he got to play with his brother. Before he played with his brother in England and and got to win. He'll be great on uh, Good Morning Football. We were talking uh, – I, I was talking about how good I thought he'd be as a local radio personality. Yeah. Uh, and he did far better than that.
2: Well, it makes sense because he's up in Jersey living with his family. And um, they they brought back their their big um, football camp that he and his brother Devin do at McCourty Twins on Twitter where you can follow. He'll be on tomorrow. I'm curious if there was another option for camp and if he knew that this opening was happening and that he could – go in straight into the, the media world. I would
1: think this was in the works while he was deciding what he could do. To, yeah. Um, but I, I think it was a free agent.
2: He was. Yeah. Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter, uh, with, uh, any thoughts and analysis from the day, the uh, Kyler Murray contract, he gets paid. So that whole back and forth that we had back in January, February, that's done at least for the time being. And we'll see how Kingsbury now, uh, survives or does not I wonder if he feels like that go.
1: worked like he got what he wanted so does he now feel like the social media stuff work
2: yes he does because he showed up to all the offseason stuff that's why I think it works out okay Josh Heifel joins us next head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers speaking of expectation the balls have plenty of it Heifel next to so now kick 360.